The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Zechariah chapter 4 for our scripture reading this morning. Zechariah chapter number 4. Thanks so much for coming to worship with us here at church this morning. We're going to read the first six verses before Pastor comes and preaches this morning's message. The Bible says, And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick, all of gold, with a bowl on the top of it, and the seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof, and the two olive trees by it, upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. And the pastor's going to come and preach the message, the overflowing life. This past Friday night, we had a special time with many folks in our church as, as we had an all-night prayer meeting. It started at midnight on Friday or maybe Saturday morning and went all the way through 6 a.m. until the sun came up. And it was a wonderful time as we had the opportunity of reading through the entire Gospel of John. Uh, we had the privilege of praying for many different things from our government, uh, praying for the nations to come to faith in Christ, praying for revival in our own hearts and in our own lives. It was just a sweet time together, and for those of you who were able to be a part of that, thank you so much, and I'm sure in the future we'll probably have the opportunity of doing it again. And, and one of the reasons why we take opportunities to uh, make time for prayer and to make time to seek the Lord is, is because we believe at the bottom of our heart and from the bottom of our heart that the Spirit of God desires to do a work in us and through us that's greater than anything we could do on our own. Which leads us to our theme this morning, and that is simply this. Abiding in the Spirit, abiding in the Spirit, is the secret to abundant life. Abiding in the Spirit is the secret to abundant life. And, and that really is the theme of our passage here in Zechariah chapter number 4, verses number 1 through 6. Uh, to give you a little bit of historical context as we move into the study of this passage, this is about five to six hundred years before the time of Jesus Christ. Uh, the nation of Israel have gone through good times and bad times. In fact, in 586 BC, 586 years uh, before the time of Christ, the Israelites were taken into captivity by Babylon. I think we have a small chart of this uh, up on the screens. Uh, Babylon would be modern day, uh, uh, modern day, I should say, Iraq. And, and so Babylon takes the children of Israel captive. Uh, then about 50 years later at 439 BC, Cyrus uh, of Persia overtook Babylon. And at that time, he allowed the Israelites then to return to Jerusalem. In 536 BC, the inhabitants of Jerusalem began to work at rebuilding the temple. Uh, in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, the temple was the place that the Spirit of God resided. And so the temple had been destroyed when the Babylonians had come in to conquer the land, and now the nation of Israel wanted to build it back up. 
they finished the foundation, but, but over time, the, because of the enemy and because of some political circumstances and economic problems that they were facing, as well as many spiritual problems, though they built the foundation, the rest of the temple was no longer getting built. So in 520 BC, a young prophet comes onto the scene. His name is Zechariah, uh, the namesake of the passage that we were reading today. He's a young prophet. He's only 20 years old. And yet, even as a young man, he comes along and begins to challenge the the nation of Israel to, to finish the work that they had started some 15 years before. So we see there in verses number one through four, uh, in chapters number four, that at this point in time, a vision comes to Zechariah. In this particular vision, uh, the angel, it says in verse number one, or the messenger from the Lord, gives a particular vision to Zechariah. And he ends this vision with asking this question, do you understand? Zechariah says, no, I I don't understand. I don't really even know what this is about. I don't know what the point of it is. And so the angel then in verse number six uh, quantifies this vision and gives its meaning. And so what we're going to see this morning as we study this passage is we're going to see the angel propose two different approaches mentioned that people take when addressing or dealing with the circumstances and challenges of life. You see, in this day and age, they were facing political challenges. Uh, They were facing some economic challenges. They were even facing some spiritual challenges. And and I would ask this room here today, how many of you would agree with me that our nation is, is facing some political challenges in the day and age in which we live? I think most of us would raise our hands and say, yes, uh, there are some challenges, there are some difficulties, there are some things going on in our country and around our world that need God's intervention. I think maybe there are even a few of us, and, and maybe you're experiencing economic challenges maybe in your finances much like the children of Israel were there were circumstances and challenges and for many of us maybe even spiritual challenges there are things in our heart there are things in our soul and our mind spiritual challenges that we know we need to overcome and and that's what's taking place in this passage and and so the angel the messenger of the Lord comes and he describes two different approaches that people tend to take when dealing with the circumstances and the challenges of life. And and so we're going to look at both of those approaches. As we're going to see today, one approach eventually leads to disappointment. It it leads to discouragement. It, It leads to eventual burnout. And yet the sad reality is it's the approach that most individuals and most Christians tend to take when dealing with circumstances and with when dealing with challenges in their life. The second approach that's described here by the angel, it's going to lead to victory. It's going to lead to abundance and and success in life as as God defines it. So if you'll allow me today, we're going to take the opportunity just to dive right in. As we begin our Bible study today, I'm going to start in verse number 6, and then in the the next portion of the service, I'll, I'll come back and catch us up to speed. So notice what happens here in verse number 6. The angel says, hey, do you understand, Zechariah? says, no, I don't understand. The messenger of the Lord, the angel, says in verse number six. Then the angel answered and spake unto me, Zechariah, saying, this is the word of the Lord, saying, 
not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. There are those in the world in which we live who deal with circumstances and they deal with the challenges of life in their own strength. They deal with circumstances and challenges through their own power and they deal with these circumstances and challenges in their own strength. That is to say this, to to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. That is to say, as they're dealing with circumstances and as they're dealing with the challenges of life, their heart posture, the, the way they navigate those challenges is placing their trust in their heart, they're placing their confidence in their own abilities. They're placing their trust and confidence in their own knowledge. They're placing their trust and confidence in their own resources to navigate life, which, which leads us to the first approach that we see in this passage that, that many people tend to take when dealing with the challenges and circumstances of life, and that is this, approach number one. They attempt to overpower the challenges in their own strength. They attempt to address, they attempt to overpower the challenges in their own strength. You see, many good people, and I could even go as far as saying many Christians attempt to overpower, they attempt to overcome the challenges and circumstances of life, and they attempt to do it in their own power, they attempt to do it in their own strength. That is to say, they, they put their trust and confidence in, in the abilities that they have. So as they move into a circumstance, as they move to face the challenges, uh, they begin to try to calculate the ability or the skill set that they have to address that particular challenge. And, and, and that's where their dependence is. That's where their hope lies in, is, is their ability. And if they don't have enough ability, then how do I develop more abilities to face that challenge? Their, their hope, their confidence, not maybe just lies in their ability, but sometimes in the knowledge that they possess. And so they, they look at a challenge, they look at a circumstance in front of them, and then they begin to think or calculate, do I have the, the knowledge to face that challenge? And, and their hope and their confidence is, is in the knowledge that they possess, or, or in some cases, in the resources. They look at their bank account. They look at the resources available to them, and, and so they begin to calculate whether or not they're going to move into a challenge, whether they're going to face a circumstance, and, and they're weighing out whether or not they have the resources to face those challenges. But, but what's interesting in the Gospel of John, chapter number 6, and, and verse number 63, the scriptures say this, it is the spirit that quickeneth. That word quickeneth is not a word that we often use in our modern vocabulary, but it, it simply means to make alive, to, to breathe life, to animate or to energize. And so the scriptures say it, it is the spirit that energizes, that animates, that breathes life into a circumstance, that breathes life into a situation, that breathes life into a, a challenge. The spirit, it, it's not the flesh. See, the flesh is, is when we have a posture of the heart, when our dependence and our soul is resting on our abilities, on our resources, and what we have available to us to, to meet the need. But it was the theologian G.K. Chesterton who said this, anything done in our strength will fail miserably. Or, 
succeed even more miserably. You see, when we move in to face a circumstance, when we move in to face a challenge, and the posture of our heart, the the posture of our soul, our mindset is one of, okay, uh, confidence and focus and the resources I have and the abilities that I have, you know, in what I can bring to the table, the knowledge I have, and that's where our confidence lies. That's where our trust is. It's it's in what we can do, and and we're we're calculating and trying to figure out, can can we make this happen? In that moment, That's flesh. And you might succeed on a surface level. That is, when other people look at you, they might say, look, that person has succeeded. Look, they're making it happen. But the reality is, underneath the surface, in the spiritual realm, though it might appear that success is happening underneath the surface from God's perspective, from heaven's eyes, it can, in fact, be a failure. To the degree that one day there will be good Christians who will stand before God and their works will become nothing but wood, hay, and stubble. Because what they were doing came from a posture of dependence upon their abilities. It came from a posture of dependence upon their resources and and a posture and dependence and trust on the knowledge that they had to make this thing happen. And so when they have the resources and they calculate that they have the knowledge, they have the abilities, then they will move forward. If they calculate and analyze that they do not have what it takes, then they do not move forward. This is a definition of of flesh. So that begs the question then. How do you and I as finite human beings, how do we know whether we're dealing with the challenges and circumstances of life in our own power, in the flesh, or in the spirit, with a heart posture of dependence and surrender and yieldness. How do we know? In fact, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can even know it? How do we really even know what the posture of our heart actually is? Because if you're like me, then it's easy just to convince yourself, I'm in the spirit. Look, after all, this is what's happening, and this is how my life's turning out, and this is what it's producing. And yet the scriptures tell us, hey, it can look good on the surface. It can look successful on the outside, and yet it's, what un- it's underneath the surface that matters. It's, it's the posture of your heart. It's, is, your, is your soul in a place of dependence and, and yieldedness? You know, is, is that the posture of your heart by which you're navigating the circumstances and challenges of life? And how do we even know? And one way the scriptures reveal that we can know whether it is flesh or or whether it really is the spirit quickening and making alive and breathing life is to ask ourselves this question. If it is the spirit, then it will also be accompanied by the fruit of the spirit. That is to say this. As we are facing challenges in life, as we're facing difficulties, as we are facing obstacles, is it accompanied by the fruit of the Spirit, let's say, peace? When you're facing challenges, is your heart posture one of peace? Is your soul at rest in the midst of difficult challenges and circumstances? Let's keep moving. What about in conflict? Conflict with a spouse. Conflict with a coworker or a boss, with a with a relative, a, a mother-in-law. 
a, a person, a, you're, you're in conflict. Let me ask you this. If it is spirit that is causing you to engage that conflict, then the question is this, is it being accompanied by love? Is the fruit of the spirit, is the fruit of love, is it encompassing that conflict? That's one way to evaluate whether or not it's actually spirit or if it's just your flesh kind of pushing through something. What about in the midst of uncertainty and you're trying to figure out what to do with the future and, and, and you're, man, how the bill's going to get paid and what about the kids and, and what about this and what about that and, and you're facing uncertainty in your life. How do you know if it is spirit that is drawing you into that or if it's your flesh trying to push it through? How, how do you discern which one it is? Here's how you'll know. Is, there, it is, is that moving into that accompanied with a heart of faith and confidence in the ability of God as you move into that uncertainty? You see, the Spirit will always be accompanied by the fruit of the Spirit. And so if you're engaging conflict with your spouse, and you're engaging in conflict with a boss, but there is no love that is a part of that conflict, then you can mark it down. It's probably not a Spirit. And if you're approaching challenges and difficult circumstances and hardship, and there is no peace in the midst of that, then you can mark it down. It's probably flesh guiding you into it, not spirit. And if you're moving into uncertainty, and, and you don't know how it's going to turn out, and, and there's no confidence in the ability of God, and, and no faith in Him working, then it's probably flesh trying to push through. It is not spirit guiding, because where there is spirit guiding, there is also marks and fruit of the spirit along with it. See, what we do is we push through in life. We have conflict. We face challenges. We go up against uncertainty, and we say, well, God's leading me to do it, and yet there is no peace. There is no love. There is no faith in the midst of it, and it's just our flesh pushing through, and spirit has no part of it because where spirit is, there are marks and fruits of the spirit there as well. That's how we discern. That's how we know whether it's spirit or flesh. What about in the midst of pain? How do we know if we're navigating painful circumstances and painful issues in our life and it's the fruit of the Spirit that's guiding us through those things? It'll be the fruit of joy even in the midst of that pain. You know, the Bible tells us that in James chapter number 1, Oh, that we can experience joy even in the midst of diverse and various temptations and trials. Joy is possible. If you find yourself in a circumstance where there's pain and that pain totally encapsulates your life and you're not able to transcend the pain and find things to joy in and to enjoy in the spirit, it might be a mark, it might be a sign that as you're navigating that pain, it is not the spirit leading you through it. In fact, it is your flesh trying to just kind of muster through with the best of your ability. I'm using, man, I'm just doing the best I can, and I'm just trying my hardest, you know? No, because where the Spirit is leading, the fruit of the Spirit is evident. You see, many people approach dealing with circumstances and challenges and their problem, and they attempt to overpower those challenges in their own strength. They evaluate, do I have the resources? Do I have the abilities? You know, do, do I have the knowledge? And then they calculate, 
they think they do, then they move forward. If they don't think they do, they, they don't move forward. And it's all, they're, they're trusting, their confidence is in what they see that they have available to them. There's flesh. But we're going to see the messenger of the Lord, we're going to see the angel propose a different approach to engaging these circumstances. And, and so to the nation of Israel, this angel of the Lord comes to Zechariah, and he's going to give him a vision of a different way to engage the circumstances and the challenges that this nation will face. And I believe it provides a model to us on how we too can lean in to the circumstances, the difficulties, and the problems of life. And, and so just allow me, if you will, to read through a couple of verses at the beginning of verse number four. So the angel, this messenger of the Lord, talked with me, came again. He waked me. He was asleep. Zechariah was sleeping. As a man that is wakened out of his sleep, verse 2, said unto me, What seest thou? He asks him a question. What are, what are you seeing? And Zechariah said, I, I look, and, and behold, I see a candlestick. I, I want the guys to put this on the screen as I, as I talk through this, because I, I want you to see this for yourself. Behold, I see a candlestick, all of gold, with bowl upon the top of it, and seven lamps thereon. There are seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof. And two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me saying, what are these, my Lord? I want you to see the picture, this vision the prophet Zechariah is having. The messenger of the Lord is communicating. He's saying, hey, I want you to get this. I understand that the, that the, that the nation of Israel, the people of God, they're facing some challenges. They're facing some difficult situations. So I want you to see this. I want to give you a picture of how believers navigate the challenges and circumstances of life. Two olive trees, their roots are deep in the soil. The olives give off an oil. Oil is typically a visual representation in the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit's presence and power. So here we see these olives are giving off this olive oil, and that oil is going into the bowl. Now you'll notice from each of those bowls, you'll see here these conduits that are now feeding each one of these candlesticks. We see those candlesticks are able to burn, they're able to shine because they have access to an unlimited supply of fuel. They have access to an unlimited supply of oil. Zechariah's like, what does this all mean? I, I don't get it. Which leads us to verse number six. And the angel answered and spake unto Zechariah saying this, this is the word of the Lord. Hey, it's not gonna be by your might. You can run around looking for oil. You can run around looking for fuel. You can run around looking for what you need to be the light, to, to do what you need to do, to shine the way you need to shine. He says you can try to do that in your might. You can try to do that with your power. You can look to your abilities and you can look to your resources and you can look to your knowledge and you can try to figure out how you're going to shine, how your life is gonna make an impact, how you're gonna accomplish what it is God wants you to do. You can try to do that with your might. You can try to do that with your power. You can try to do that with your flesh. You can try to do that with your strength. But he says this, it's not going to be by your might. It's not going to be by your power, notice this, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Which leads us to a 
proper approach to dealing with challenges and circumstances in life. See, the wrong approach is to attempt to overpower challenges by depending on our resources, depending upon our knowledge, depending upon what we have access to, or we can take the proper approach that we see at the latter part of verse six, and that is this, approach number two, to access the overflow of the Spirit and allow Him to work through us. To access, here's the key word, the overflow of the Spirit and allow Him to work through us. My in-laws have a farm in, in the Midwest and they grow all types of crops. I think they have five or 600 acres out there that they farm soybeans and corn, all, all kinds of things. And there's always projects to be done on the farm. And, and so when my kids go out there every once in a while, my father-in-law will have the kids work on projects. And, and one particular day, my father-in-law had asked my son, Anderson, who at the time I believe was seven or eight years old, to help him move a, a massive pile of dirt. And, and to, if, you, if you would have saw this pile of dirt, you'd have been like, there's no way. He could have taken his whole vacation to try to move this pile of dirt. And, and my son at eight years old, I mean, it would, it, to him at that stage in life, uh, this task would have been absolutely impossible until this happened. My father-in-law showed Anderson, here's how you're gonna use this John Deere. And sure enough, he started to move that dirt in the, in the power <laughs> of that John Deere tractor. You say, what's the point? The point is simply this. So many times we look to the scriptures, we look to the word of God and, and we see what God expects and we see what God wants to do and we're like a little child with our little beat shovel and in our own flesh we calculate our resources and we look at our abilities and we add up our knowledge and, and all that is is nothing more than a little beat shovel in face of the mountains of what we're called to do and what God expects us to do and what he needs us to do. We take our little beat shovel and we start shoveling and shoveling and shoveling and after a while we get weak and after a while we get tired and after a while we can't hold the marriage together and we can't train the kids the way we need to we can't be what God wants us to be and so we take our little beat shovel we throw it over our heads and we say you know what enough is enough it can't be done God doesn't know what he's talking about and yet the reality is this he never calls you to use your little child beat shovel to accomplish his will and fulfill his purposes he's given you access to something bigger he's given you access to something more he's given you access to something greater he's giving you the holy spirit of god and his presence and the power that goes along with it that is your gift you see as we said before many christians place their trust and confidence in doing the best they can in dealing with the challenges of life they calculate their own abilities and their own knowledge and their resources and, and the truth is this hear me out well, when we surrender to the Spirit of God and, and we, we trust and rely on Him fully and completely yield to the Spirit, He will, get this, He will often use our knowledge. He'll often use our abilities. He'll often use our resources, just like Jesus used the, the little lunch of the lad with the five loaves and two fishes. He'll often use our resources, our knowledge, and our ability, but here, here's the point. He is not limited by them. He is not dependent upon them. In order for you to face the challenges and the circumstances of your future, he might use what you have, 
but he is not limited by them. You see, the Spirit has the ability to provide us with access to a wisdom that transcends our knowledge. The Spirit has the ability to provide us with a a power that exceeds our ability. The Spirit can give us the wealth that surpasses our resources. And that is exactly why the Scriptures tell us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, to be filled with the Spirit. You say, why? Because God designed the human machine. You, me, the the human machine. God designed the human machine to run on himself. We try to run it on our willpower and our discipline and, and our work ethic. And God can utilize those things, but it's not enough. It's not that willpower and a work ethic and character and integrity are bad. They are not bad. They are simply inadequate to accomplish what God has placed you on this earth to accomplish. You need something greater. You need to experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit of God pulsating through your veins to give you what you need to face the future. You need Jesus. So how do we do this, right? Sounds exciting, but we know this. How do we practically experience, how do we practically move through this? Let me give you a couple of statements that I hope will help us have a more practical, functional understanding of how this takes place. Because if you're like me, it's like, yeah, we know that, but there's a disconnect. Because with our lips, we can talk about trusting God. And with our mouths, we can talk about depending upon Him. But the reality is there's a disconnect. Because while we're saying all the right words deep down in our soul, Our trust and our confidence ultimately lies in what we can do. We we talk and we quote scriptures about how it's supposed to be God working through us, but then on a functional level, we only do what we have resources for. We only, you know, accomplish the in light of the abilities that we have. We allow ourselves to be limited by whatever's in our possession. So how do we do this? Let me give you three statements, and then we'll go back and unpack them. Statement number one. Constantly surrender all that is not spirit. Constantly surrender all that is not spirit. If you, my friend, are going to be filled with spirit, then you have to empty yourself of all that is not spirit. Or else there is no room. There is no room for spirit. What I'm saying is this, you have to release. You have to let go of those things. And I'm talking primarily on a heart level here, on a soul level. You've got to release and let go of things in your heart and in your soul and in your mind that crowd out your capacity to be filled with the spirit and focus on God. What is it that keeps you from focusing on God? What is it in your life that crowds it out? For many of us, we need to release and let go of all doubt. Because doubt plagues our hearts. 
We talk about how we trust God, but then we doubt that he could actually do what his power says it can do. We doubt. Our hearts get filled with fear. I don't know if God's powerful enough to do that. And I, I don't know if he can provide for me if I'm generous. And I don't know if he can, you know, if I don't do this and that and that, then I don't think I'll be able to get a, a husband. I don't think I'm going to be able to get a spouse. I don't think I'm going to be able to get married unless I do this. And, and uh, I, I don't know if I'll be able to get to this rung on the ladder unless I, and, and all of a sudden, if we're not careful, we, we have all of these distractions, all of these fears that fill up our inner life. And like a broken record in our minds, our soul and our heart is just plagued with doubts and fears and worries and anxieties and guilt and shame. And these things like broken records fill up every part of our interior life. Pride and sin plague our minds and our souls. And there's no room spirit which is why we need to constantly surrender constantly release and constantly be letting go of all of that but we find comfort in our doubts in a weird twisted way we find solidarity in our fears because even though we don't like them we're familiar with them it feels normal We live in a world, especially in the Americas, so much entertainment and amusement. We can literally be distracted 24-7, 365 days a year with things that just don't matter a hill of beans. And our life gets filled up by things that keep us from experiencing the Spirit of God. Constantly surrender all that is not Spirit. Statement number two. Consistently, consistently assume a heart posture of faith. The Scriptures tell us in Hebrews chapter number 11, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Everything in the Christian life is a, is a gift of God's grace that we experience and appropriate by faith. So consistently assume a heart posture of faith. You say, how do I do this functionally and practically? I'll, t I'll tell you how I do it. Almost every day I have to wake up and reaffirm my faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. There's not a day where my faith doesn't leak and doubt doesn't creep in and distraction doesn't creep in. And so almost every day I've got to preach to myself the good news of the gospel. And for me, sometimes it sounds something like this. I have to say to myself, because of the finished work of Christ, the Spirit is my birthright. The fruit of the Spirit is my inheritance, and since now I am a joint heir with Jesus, all spiritual blessing bestowed upon Jesus is also mine by divine legal right. And I declare and receive that statement as an eternal reality from God, because that is truth and everything else a lie. 
You see the world and religion wants to teach us, well, you got to jump through this hoop and you got to play hopscotch with morality in order to get to a place where you can experience the gifts and experience what God has for you. And I'm here to say this, no, you simply receive the grace that God makes available and you accept it by faith alone in the finished work of Jesus. You get to that place and his spirit will give you what you need to perform. His spirit will give you what you need to do, what you need to do. But we get it all backwards. We try to perform our way to spirit and he says no you got a spirit your way to performance that is how it works and it starts with faith with believing that what God declares is truth it is already yours receive it it's your birthright the fruit of the spirit It's your inheritance. It's been offered to you. But you believe the lie that there are a thousand little things that you've got to do first in order to enjoy it. (laughs) You see, for by grace are you saved through faith. Eternal life is all of grace accessed by faith and spiritual maturity and abundant life is all of grace appropriated and received by faith if you are in christ today and you've placed your faith and trust in him and him alone to be your savior then you can consistently assume a heart posture of faith and confidence in the reality of who you are You've got to reaffirm your faith daily. Every day I have to wake up and remind myself that I am a new creation. Not I will become, not I will be. I am a new creature. A new creature with new desires. A new creation with new values. A new creation with a new identity that's been anchored to the promises of God. That is the spiritual facts of what is. And we've got to preach that to ourselves every day because doubt always wants to crowd that out. You're not enough. You are not worthy. You're not sufficient. You're not good enough. You don't have enough faith. You don't have enough love. You don't have what it takes. And I'm gonna say this, yes, maybe in your flesh you don't, but in Christ you have it all. You have the inheritance and every blessing is yours by divine right to receive by faith. Constantly surrender all that is not spirit consistently assume a posture of faith. I'll say this because when we talk about a posture of faith, it can feel ethereal. It can feel somewhat subjective. To make it a little more practical, I I like to say this, that faith and focus are kind of like flip sides of the same coin. What it is that you focus on is what you're dependent on. If the moment hardships come in your life, and the first thing you're thinking is, where am I going to get more money? 
That's where your focus goes to first. That's what you're depending on in that situation. If all of a sudden conflict comes in your life and you're like, oh, that person needs to change, or this person, and that's the first place your heart goes to, then other people are what you are depending upon to experience what only God can give you. Wherever your focus goes first is a hint into where your trust and confidence actually lies. I want to encourage you to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Your spouse is not your ultimate hope. Promotion in your career is not your ultimate hope. A successful business is not your ultimate hope. Your children turning out the way you want is not your ultimate hope. Being married is not your ultimate hope. Having money in the bank is not your ultimate hope. Jesus is your ultimate hope. Experiencing Jesus and his spirit, enjoying the fruit of his spirit, that, my friend, is your ultimate hope, which leads us to the third statement. That's this. Continually experience and enjoy the fruit of the spirit by faith. Do you realize that you can experience joy and peace and love and faith at at any moment you want in Christ if you will simply receive it by faith? But we we lie to ourselves. We say, no, I can only experience peace if I have Jesus plus this person changes. It's a lie. I can only experience love if that person will affirm me and those people will validate me. It's a lie. I can only experience joy if, if circumstances go that way and, and situations go this way. And, and that's what, no, it's a lie. Love and joy and peace is your birthright. It is your inheritance, my friends. And Satan has lied to you again and again and again and again and, and piled on all these things that have to be different and all these things that have to change. And in the process, he's kept you from experiencing abundant life in Christ. Because you've been lured into a lie that says you need a thousand different things to possess and a thousand different circumstances to go different in order for you to have abundant life. And you have spent your life distracted by a thousand things smaller than Jesus. When all along, experiencing and enjoying him is yours for the taking right here, right now. Continually experience and enjoy the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because you cannot pass along what you do not possess. Some of you are trying to pass love along to your kids and your spouse, and you're trying to pass along peace to those around you, and and you're trying to pass along joy, and, and it's like trying to wring out a sponge when there's no water in it. You just can't do it, and you get discouraged and you become depressed and eventually you feel like you got to burn out because no matter how hard you twist you just don't have what it takes and in the flesh you don't you cannot pass along what you're not experiencing and enjoying and possessing yourself you see our life is not like a sponge where we're trying to wring out everything good on our family or on our spouse life is like a life is like a cup where we come under the spirit of god and we enjoy all that is our birthright by faith we experience that love and that peace we experience that joy and we experience that faith and we experience and experience and enjoy and enjoy by faith we experience by faith we enjoy we experience and enjoy by faith until it just starts running over it just 
starts overflowing because now we can pass along because we first are possessing. We first are enjoying. We first are experiencing. It's a byproduct, not a prime product. You're not going to have love to give to that spouse of yours if you're not experiencing love from the Father first. You are loved. And in Christ, you are worthy. And in Christ, you are enough. And that is the good news of the gospel. Not because of your flesh, but because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, who has purchased for you not only your eternal salvation, but abundant life. That is not so small, that is not so inadequate that you cannot experience it at any time. The joy and peace and love that God makes available is not limited by bad circumstances. They are not limited by broken people. You can experience it any place and at any time if you'll simply receive it by faith. It is yours. Take it. Receive it. And stop believing the lie that you need something to be different in order to enjoy it. Why? Because abiding in the Spirit is the secret to abundant life. Do you receive it by faith? Do you accept it? Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.